Hello everyone and welcome to a Best of the Year Scots Way podcast and this is the one where we will look at the best books of 2018 and I am joined again by Vicky Riley. Hello Vicky. Hello. And um, we're going to talk about our favourite books of the year but before we get on to the specifics of that I thought we would talk a little bit about some of the the big happenings in um, publishing and in Scottish writing in 2018. And one of those was definitely the Muriel Spark 100. Yeah. Which we, uh, we, we, we kind of foreshadowed at the, on last year's podcast, but um, I mean, it was a huge year, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, last, on the last podcast, we kind of just sort of said it was happening because, you know, lot, it had kind of just been announced by then. But this whole year, I mean, you know, I left Berlin in August, but I pretty much I, I, I worked solidly on the Muriel Spark year all the way up until then. And it was one of the most amazing things to be part of. Uh, I absolutely loved it and love Muriel Spark because of it. I mean, we should say that Berlin um, republished every single novel. Yeah. And uh, how many was that? 22. 22. It's, it's it was quite indelibly. the <laughs> You know, Berlin published a lot of books every year, anyway. Yeah. And then to have that twenty-two on top of it, it was it was it was quite a challenging year, but really um, enjoyable at the same time because it was just amazing how everybody got behind the project um, from the from the introducers because we had twenty-two different introducers mm-hmm. in every single one of the the novels, and they they worked really hard. Not just on their introductions, but as be- they were kind of like ambassadors for the for the project yeah, as well. Yeah. So you know they helped us out with publicity. They we we did events, pretty much near. There's not many festivals across the UK that we didn't have an event with. Well, that's the thing. It really was at the year of Muriel Spark, um, and the Muriel Spark 100 was a, a, a kind of behind it all. Um, there was obviously the exhibition. Yeah. Uh, at the National Library. Um, which was great. Yeah, which was great, absolutely. Congratulations to Colin McElroy, yeah. if you're um, <laughs> who kind of uh, ran that whole um, exhibition. Um, and then there was lots of other uh, events. that There was always something yeah. going on, basically, uh-huh. throughout uh-huh. the year. Sort of if, in the beginning of the year, it felt very much led by... Polygon and the books, but then as the year pro- um, progressed, there was just so many other people involved in it. You know, there was poetry collections from Theresa Minot's. I think Shane Strachan did a collection as well yeah. on uh, her time in Africa. Um, you took part in an event. I as did. Well. Did we, I kind of did a little piece with Passengers, uh, which was an art show, and we did um, a showing of. Uh, Prime Mystery and Brody, the film. Oh the, yeah, which had been yeah, re- I forgot about that one. Remastered well. uh-huh. and um, a, a new uh, screening of it. Um, yeah, I was, was glad really I couldn't come to that because I, can't, I had something else. There was there was a squillion, a million events this year. It was great to see it again because I hadn't seen it for um, I've quite a while. Never seen the film. Oh, I'm, I know. Vicky, we should I know. stop the podcast now <laughs> and, and make you watch it. It's a fabulous um, film. Um, and, but it was great to watch with a, a, an Ed, I don't know if I've seen it either on my own or with a Glasgow audience and to see it with an Edinburgh audience it was quite something because <laughs> the person I was sitting beside knew every single line and was reciting <laughs> it as we were uh, watching it which was a bit off-putting I suppose it's funny that you know you, you, you've got your Edinburgh characteristics and your Glasgow characteristics and even though you're, you kind of sort of 
raise your hackles sometimes. At the same time, when you see it portrayed in a comedic way or whatever, you're just like, yeah, we're exactly like that. <laughs> so um, would you pick out a favourite Muriel Spark book now after having oh, gone through them? Well, I've not read all of them. Right. Um, okay. I, I did plan on reading all of them throughout the whole year, but um, I, I, I got up to Mandelbaum Gate and then I, was, and then I sort of realised that I didn't want to have a year afterwards where I wasn't reading a new Muriel Spark book. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, to stop being so uh, con- obsessed with Muriel. And also, she kind of, for a long time, particularly at the beginning of the year, she kind of spoiled me for every other book. There was loads of times where I started reading a book and uh, maybe if the, if the language was a little bit more flowery, it was a bit richer, a bit uh-huh. more pungent, and I was just like, no, nah. yeah, <laughs> get me it's back not to <laughs> was like get me back to Muriel so last year I, my favourite which I said uh, in the podcast last year my favourite was Loitering with Intent mm-hmm. the favourite one that I read this year was Memento Mori okay um, which if you don't know is a, a novel where it's set there's a community of older people and um they all start getting strange phone calls where the voice on the line just says remember you must die <laughs> So it's like a little mystery, but pl- but also an examination on ageing and belief and faith and how you approach death yourself. And um, I remember reading in The Guardian uh, earlier on this year, because they, they, you know, love, lovely, lovely, they got behind the Muriel Spark yes, project absolutely. too. And they had a couple of Muriel Spark book groups and they did Memento Mori as one of them. And I remember the guy um, who... Uh, was the sort of leader of the Guardian book group saying that Memento Mori was a cruel book. Oh, right. And I was just like, no, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. That's an interesting word to use about Muriel Sparks' writing. It gets bandied about a fair bit, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it's a little bit unfair. Um, I mean, there's darkness. Yeah. And sometimes Violence, what happens yeah. to her um, characters, it doesn't end well No, often. no, yeah. Well, and cruel is a bit strange. Yeah, because... Because that implicates nasty as well. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it makes it seem like Muriel is laughing at the people in Memento Mori. Mm. And I don't think she ever, ever is. Well, she, I mean, she does laugh at sort of some of their pomposities and all that kind yeah. of thing. But particularly the scene where, um, I think, Jean is in the hospital. And I think it's Mrs Barnacle, Granny Barnacle, mm-hmm. that's dying. And there's this whole... Um, scene where like the the nurses and everybody are doing the sort of rituals of death and bringing somebody to the end of their life, and it's done in such a gentle, graceful way, mm-hmm. which is probably I don't know if it's part of Muriel's um, belief in Catholicism and, mm-hmm. and and her thoughts on death as well, and and I just I can't think that anybody that would write a scene like that can be. Accused of being cruel. Well, I think if you take one of her more extreme characters, Lise in the driver's seat, right. that could be... See, I've not got to the driver's seat yet. Well, <laughs> that could be seen as a, a, a character to be mocked, definitely. Or let's, say, well, let's take Jean Brodie even. Now mm. there's a character that could be seen to be mocked and is certainly portraying you know, things and getting things wrong and, 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 and ultimately leading to someone dying. Mm. Um, but... I don't think she's ever laughing at Jean no, Brody at all. No, and the, by the end of it, you, 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 there's a real sympathy yeah, towards exactly. her, even though she's a bit mental. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> I think what she's looking at, actually, is um, that people are complicated and yeah. people do things that maybe 
I don't fit in with what society thinks how they should be. Yeah. And I think a lot of her characters are like that. And I think she was probably like that yeah. herself. And, and one of the things from reading a lot of the sparks is that one of the themes that really stands out in loads of her books is um, identity and how there is no such thing as a fixed identity. Yes, absolutely. Which is, I think... In 2018, that is something that we can we can all uh, take a bit of a lesson from. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's, funnily enough, when I was reading, rereading, and reading a new stuff from Spark throughout the year, you went, "Well, this is a very current." And you always read things into you know from what's happening around yeah, you. Yeah, you can't yeah. help it. But you do think this is a very current and vital writer that really should be, you know, recognised in a hundred years. It doesn't seem like a hundred when you read her stuff. You know, no, not very, at all. And I'm, I hope that one of the lasting things from the Muriel Spark year is that folks see her writing in this way. And it, I think cause one of, the, I mean, it's lovely that she had Brody and all that kind of stuff, and you know that made her all lots of money. Mm-hmm. And, but um, she's so much more than yeah, just a morning side so. marm, you know. Yeah. It's, oh, um, absolutely. And and I I um, I hope that that that's what happens that that you know because the other great thing was that I mean there was loads of like you know shops would do book groups and there was even like lots of bloggers online who would do a reading Muriel year and mm-hmm. um and it was really great to see like books like the Takeover yeah getting really good reviews because you know that's not one that's probably as well known mm-hmm. um so it was it's it's just been a great project. I do wonder what Alan Taylor's going to do next year. Oh, I mean... <laughs> the hardest working man. Oh, my God. We worked that man to death, really. I, I mean... <laughs> he, I should say, was... for those that don't know, Alan Taylor um, uh, did a book about his relationship with Muriel. He was very close friends in the latter part of her life, and um, he seemed to be doing events every single week. Oh, I, I mean, I felt sorry for him, but at the same time, you know, this was the moment to, yes, to do all this. absolutely. Um I even shared him in, in an event in Falkirk Library. It was yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's probably... I can imagine this Christmas holiday, he's going to like just sit back and <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief. But he was amazing. He's he's brilliant at events. Mm. Like He absolutely knows how to work an audience and give the best of the stories that he knows. And he knows the book inside out as well. Yeah. Um, no, he was, a, he was a total pleasure to work with. And he was also the series editor of the... Yes of the 22 novels as well yeah. so he was the one that was back and forth with the with the introducers and all that kind of yeah. thing and I should say if well, I mean you, probably most people listening to this will know that it's been uh, a kind of Muriel Sparks year uh, but if you haven't then you know these books are, are beautiful things to have and inside and out so yeah. uh, you should check them out another big event which kind of happened through the year that was book related was Rip It Up which yeah. was the exhibition um, of Scottish pop music at the National Museum of Scotland mm-hmm. but there was an accompanying book with it yeah. done by the Mr Vic Galloway which by all accounts you should rush out and buy because the print run is low <laughs> and you really should it's one of my favourite books of the year um, for a book to accompany a museum um, exhibition it's a lot much better than yeah, we could yeah, have expected yeah. uh-huh. and it's really thorough it's really fair um, I mean, Vic has said that on our 
hundredth podcast that you know oh there's a couple of things missing that I wish I'd included but you, there's no way you could have included everything but he has a damn good yeah. shot at yeah. doing it <laughs> um, and it just it was a great you know there was a television show there was a radio show it was just a great celebration of Scottish pop music yeah and uh, yeah it's, it's always great where you you just get a, an occasion to you know tootle your trumpet a little mm. bit and so we're doing alright here yeah <laughs> No, absolutely, and I think what was nice about it, and I think a lot of it came from the tone that um, Vic set in the book, was it was kind of non-judgmental. Mm. So there was some Scottish pop music that people were a bit snobby about, going, oh, you know... Chirpy, chirpy, cheek, cheek. Yeah, well, everything, but this was like, you know what, we are an open church, we welcome everything, and... I didn't uh, know that was a Scottish song, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, lots of stuff like that, you know, which sounded American, you know, yeah. uh, the early. That, this was one of the great things about Vic's book was um, it went right back to the early, early days and there was um, bands that I'd never heard of, or mm. there was bands I had heard of but knew hardly anything, and he kind of filled in. Now, it goes at breakneck speed because it needs mm. to, because it covers right up to the That's present Vic's day. That's style as well. Like He's he's very much, well, you, you can hear his passion and yeah. an excitement with the subject matter. Absolutely, and it is kind of bang up to date as well. So, as Vicky says, if you haven't got a copy, it sounds like you should yeah. get one quickly. Yeah, don't wait any longer, people. Because <laughs> I'll end up on Amazon in a year's time for 250 quid. <laughs> as we've just found out with someone else's book. Um, but it was, so it was great, yes, as you say, it was great to kind of celebrate, uh, celebrate Scottish pop in that way. And the exhibition itself was fantastic. Mm, yeah. Um, so you're now working at Publishing Scotland. Yes. So let's talk a bit about Scottish publishing, because I think it's had... After some difficult recent times, let's put it that way, it's had a good uh, year. Um, what, what about you? What's your point of view? Yeah, like particularly um, since joining Publishing Scotland, I've just been blown away by the brilliant commissioning that's been that's that's going on at the moment. There's not there's there's not a single publisher that isn't doing something interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I've, we were we've all been really aware. There's like the sort of the freight dark cloud yeah. has has kind of been hanging over everybody, and you can you you, you definitely get the sense that that um, that the publishers are like we don't want to end we don't want to end up like that we don't want to end up like that. Yeah. So um, you get yeah I, I get the sense that um, there's a there's a carefulness and a and a caution with how they publish, but a real exuberance in what they're publishing. Yeah. And yeah. which is sensible. <laughs> well, I think the, the problem in previous decades was that some publishers decided it was going to be... So I want to be a publisher. Well, there's yeah. that, yeah. But there was also this idea that to be a successful one, you had to publish loads of people. Yeah. And so there was this idea that quantity, and that often came at the expense of quality. Mm. You know, if we throw enough books at the wall, one of them might just hit yeah. big. Yeah. And we have our own, whatever, J.K. Rowling or whatever <laughs> the case may be. Um, whereas, you're right, I think... Um, partly, I think, led by 404 Inc. That's yeah, my yeah. feeling, is that, you know what, we are Kinda, going to take... They've brought a fresh energy, a sort of kick up the bum. Yes, yeah. and they are carefully curating their um, publishing list, I guess, mm. is the way to put it. Yeah. Um, they've had an amazing year. Um, with some another fantastic, one. Another <laughs> amazing year, yeah, and just going to go from uh, strength to strength. But there have been other uh, publishers that have had a well, yeah. you know, good I years mean, as well. I suppose we can't really talk about 2018 without talking about Poverty Safari. Yes. Which, again, 
we mentioned last year. Yeah, we did. Because at the time that it, the the book had been out for maybe like a month or so when we did oh, the book. Yeah, uh-huh. And um and even by then it was doing really well. It like sold a, few, a couple of thousand copies and you were like, "Well done, well done." And then in 2018 it just went mental. Yeah. <laughs> And, you, and it was just so pleasing to see that something like that could be done by by Lewis, which are a small company. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it went on to sell about twenty thousand copies, and then they negotiated a co-publication deal with Picador mm-hmm. to be able to take it to a, a wider audience. And and because um, it's not always hard, it's not always easy for for Scottish independents to get a look in and. Waterston's Piccadilly buy-in team or the WH Smith buy-in team, yeah. which is you know always a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Lo- and then Darren himself managed to get a, another two book deal with Ebury from Penguin oh, Random really? House. Wow. So he's really and obviously he won the Orwell Prize yes. as well. So he's just yeah he's just been catapulted into a space where he probably didn't expect. He said as busy a year as Alan Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's been just been an incredible uh, success. Yeah, uh huh, and it's still selling really well with um, with uh, Picador too. Uh, like you know, you go down to London, and you see it in the front table at Foils and all that kind of thing, and you it probably wouldn't have got that kind of attention without the groundwork that that Lewis yeah. put in. So that was brilliant. Are there any other books that have come out this year that you think yeah that should be noted? Well, the other huge book for 2018 isn't really from an independent publisher and, again, was published in 2017 and that's Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. Oh, yes. Which has gone on to sell about a million squillion copies this year. Like, you look at the bookseller top 100 each week in the uh, in the bookseller magazine and uh, I don't think it's dropped out the top three for the whole year and, it was pr- and it's probably spent most of the year at number one. Right. And it's just you. You kind of think to yourself, how many more people can buy this book? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like it's like, but that's even though it's probably been the biggest selling book of the year, it's kind of been this sort of wee quiet um, Scottish success story. Mm-hmm. You know, Gail Honeyman herself is from a very um, modest background, and her and even with her tremendous success, is still pretty modest. And and it's it's not a book where. You see Gail Honeyman at all the events and festivals and things and on Radio 4 every mm-hmm. two seconds now. and So it's it's just that the pe- people kind of stop reading it and kind of stop buying it. I, it. It seems to have been word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is uh, unusual these days. Because yeah. it's not had a massive ad campaign. She's not I been on everything. I don't think it, like, I can't, yeah. I really can't recall seeing like a big... No, I mean it's been in yeah. bookshops, but yeah, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean people are going to pick it up. But I, I, um, I gave it to my mum after I read it, and and she took it into her work, and then when she took it into her work, everybody in her workplace was like, "Oh, I love that book!" I really, yeah. and so it's like this secret army of fans. <laughs> so it's the book that people that maybe don't read regularly have been picking up and reading, and I think if you yeah. can get that, then. Well, it's it's one of those books. It's the dreaded middlebrow word, which I think gets a bad rap. Because mm-hmm. um, how dare an author just write a story with nice characters that yeah, everybody yeah. likes? I don't imagine. <laughs> and it's, so it's not you know it's not 
doing pyrotechnics and it's not pushing the boundaries of what literature can do and all that kind of thing. But, you know, you don't have to read literature like that all no, the time. Sometimes no. you just want a good well, story well told. And actually, literature like that often struggles. You know, yeah, the stuff that yeah. is pushing know, the boundaries, which is... Unfor- apart from Milkman... Yes. Which has yeah. gone on to masses of success which after won the Booker The Booker yeah. this year, mm-hmm. and a, um, we'll maybe talk about Robin Robertson's The Long Take, which yeah. was also on the, on the shortlist. Um, but it, it seems to have, have, have taken off. Uh, yeah, absolutely. which it shows, you know. It shows your prizes are still important. It shows your prizes are still important, and it shows you that no matter how prescriptive critics and literary editors try and make the reading public feel just let us get on with it yeah 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 <laughs> and and you know the audiences will find their way to books that they want to read without being made to feel guilty or being made to feel like oh the booker has lost its shine and mm-hmm. there's there this is They've the been thing saying that since Jim Kelly, I know that's true but it's like I'm <laughs> so tired of like uh, the main chat about books and art and all that kind of thing being always so negative and coming from a snarky place. When yeah. I think that's changing. Um, Good. But I think that it's interesting because um, I think it's changing certainly in Scottish music. Mm. You know, um, I think there's a kind of real feeling of support. I think it's often because um, there isn't riches to yeah. be <laughs> so everyone's like well we're all in the same boat yeah. so let's support each other but what yeah. comes from that is a real kind of a warmer feeling of, yeah. of things and you know hopefully that might happen I think it maybe does with smaller publishers yeah. as well yeah there is a there is a definite um, a f- you feel like you're you're part of a gang mm. with them um, being with everybody at Publishing Scotland because we're all supporting each other and it's, and it's really nice to have met all the other publishers and Work together with them and suggest things to them and help them along and it's it's been really enjoyable. Well, if Scottish writing is a gang, then the, <laughs> the daddy is still crime fiction. I think. Oh yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, I think again, it's something that sometimes people dismiss and they go, "Oh, tartan noir, yeah, Scottish crime fiction." You know, uh, who it's not for me or whatever. It's obviously for a lot of people because it's really doing well. Yeah. So they can just go, "I don't care what you think," <laughs> yeah. and rightly so. But. Um, this year, very, very different books came out. Um, Liam McIlvanny's McIlvanny mm-hmm. um, Prize winning yeah. uh, book, uh, The Quaker, which was based on the Bible John murders in, in Glasgow, was a fantastic read. My read mum's favourite book of the year, I should say. <laughs> is that, it? Yes, it is. She absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um, a Douglas Skelton has done something a bit different with the Janice yeah, Run. Yeah, yeah. Set yeah. it in New York, and it's real. Pacey thriller, really good. Um, almost really like a born kind of feel yeah. about it. I would really love to see that book get an audience outside Scotland as yeah. well. It and deserves it. Could it. Do. Definitely yeah. could do. It, it should be made into a TV show as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it has got that feel about it. It really definitely. has. It's, it's very cinematically um, written. Um, another one is a oh gosh I've forgotten the title of it now Peacock David Stewart David's Peacock oh yeah uh-huh. uh huh Peacock's Alibi that's it Peacock's <laughs> Alibi gosh I've shared this event I can't even remember it's terrible <laughs> oh, well it was at the start of the year yeah um, which was is a genuinely funny Scottish crime yeah book. caper uh, yeah it's a caper it uh-huh. is it's a Glasgow set caper and Peacock Johnson is definitely one of the more memorable characters, despite <laughs> us forgetting the title of the book, one of the more memorable characters of the year. But just like this is the thing, you know, 
you can be as an inventive and as creative and as different as you want within the crime fiction yeah. uh, genre. Yeah. And I think that's why Scottish crime is so popular is because we we do so many different things with it. Well, a perfect example for that, which is on my um, ten top ten uh, books of the year, was Olga Vochas's Miss Blaine's Prefect oh, yeah, and the that. Golden Samovar. Yeah, uh-huh. Because it's time-travelling crime, <laughs> but it's kind of... Muriel Spark meets... Um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Or yeah, Quantum I, Leap, that yeah. <laughs> Quantum I read leap. that in a day. Yeah. I, just, I thought, right, I'm not going out, I'm just going to stay in my jammies, and I just lay down on the couch and read it all in a day, and it was such good fun. Because there is because of the, the, so many elements, there are so many elements to it, um, it could it could have fallen apart, but it yeah. it totally doesn't. Well, it's really tight, and the the characters are brilliant. The humor is brilliant. Um, the nod to Muriel Spark is is brilliant. I love the, the and the great characters as well. Yeah. And and this and this is the I, I loved the the footman who was like prostrating himself <laughs> throughout the whole book. And the other thing is is the like. The the humor is directed towards the main character. Yes, yeah. Like she she's always banging on about how much of a genius she is, and she can't see the truth from a mile away. Like yeah. all the readers absolutely know what's going to happen. How can you not see this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a great fun book. That was a great fun book. Um, it's it's a book that if you if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I, I don't like crime novels, then try um that the. Miss Blaine's prefect in the Golden Samovar because yeah. it's a you'll 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 find it very interesting. Um, so that was on Saraband and yeah. uh, they had another cracking year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, perhaps my favourite novel of the year was Donald S. Murray's As the mm. Woman Lay Dreaming, which was about the Ilari disaster of uh, nineteen nineteen. Um, and Donald did a podcast with us um, very kindly. Uh, have you read it? Have you got them? I've only read bits of it. I've mm-hmm. not read the whole thing. So it's just a really um, emotional book, yeah. for want of a, of a better thing. It's it starts it it's, it's about the Ayalari disaster, which was one of the biggest uh, maritime disasters ever in, in British history. People returning from the First World War were so close to the shore in Shetland that they could almost touch it. Um, and then the boat sank, but it's actually much more than that. The novel itself it's mm. about um, a different generations of the same family over the years, and how this disaster has um, touched their lives and touched the community's lives, and in turn touched the nation's lives, even if people aren't aware of it. Yeah. Um, and it looks at language, and it looks at um, geography, and it looks at all sorts of things um, which relate to Scotland and. Uh, it's a it's rather special, very very, uh, uh, but very emotional book I would say. And and it is a a piece of history that should be more. I mean, I think it, I think it was the worst peacetime maritime event since um, other than the Titanic. Other than the Titanic, that's right. Which you know gets million dollar films made. Yeah, <laughs> two hundred people I think um, um, drowned. I know. Uh, it's a, so it's, you should check it out. You should check out the book. You should check out the podcast. Um, but you should have a look into the. The story of the Ilari. Yeah, and, and I think there's going to be a TV shows about it in January because January itself is the actual 100 years um, since it happened. So, you know, you've still got time to sort of feel part of the um, the story. 
Um, and it's sold, again, it's sold really well, reprinted before mm-hmm. it even was released. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's... Yeah, it's, which is interesting, because you say the story's not that... Well, I certainly, amongst my friends and family and stuff, didn't really know about it. Um, so for something to have that success, there is that thirst, I think, for... Yeah, but yeah. that's for Scottish history anyway. But also the fact that it is a story about family as well. Yeah, oh, very much so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Sarah Band also had the Janice Run, Douglas Skelton's Janice Run, which we mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, another book that, had, that they brought out this year was Mandy Haggis, The Walrus Mutterer. Oh, I see. I've seen that. I've not I've not picked it up. No. Because I, I, I saw the title and I was like... Interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, it is interesting. Absolutely, I felt the same thing. But it's it's kind of got uh, Game of Thrones meets Vikings oh, vibe right. about it. So uh, I highly recommend that as well. <laughs> but, but I just wanted to mention. But it shows you what a good year um, Sarah Band have had. Uh, many other things, out, yeah. of course. But mm. um, uh, yeah, as I said, careful curation and um, really kind of getting behind. The books um, and a good solid team as well. Very much so. Yeah. Great team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we talked. I spoke that Douglas Donald's book um, touched upon Scottish history, and I think you've got a few history books that you would like to make an yeah, mention. Yeah, I mean, this year, two thousand and eighteen, again, lots of anniversaries. Yes. So um, this year has been quite uh, known for books about women because of the 100 years since mm. women's suffrage yes. and Scottish publishers have been taking part in that as well so you had from 404 you had We Shall Fight Until We Win yeah which is tremendous um, we've had from Canongate we've had Jeanette Winterson's Courage Calls to Courage Everywhere um, and then Gerda Stevenson's Quines yes came out, which that, is a, I was just going to say that um, yeah. the three that or yeah the three that sort of, sort of coalesced in my mind was Gerda Stevenson's Quines Rosemary Goring's her story, mm-hmm. um, Scotland, her story, and uh, funnily enough, EUP's the Biographical Dictionary of Scottish Women. Right. Now, all three do similar things, but just in a different way. So, Gerda writes about specific women from Scottish history through poems. Mm-hmm. Um, the Biographical Dictionary of Scottish Women. That's what it says. <laughs> yeah. And um, Scotland's Her Story from Rosemary Goring is it's an anthology of writing from women or about women in Scotland's history. And, you know, in a year where we see another film about Robert the Bruce, mm-hmm. you just think, come on, okay. all these women that, that, that that's lived throughout times in, in Scotland and they've got such amazing stories yeah. to tell. Not, and not just the, the kings and the queens and and the sort of, you know, countesses and royalty and all that kind of thing, but women that, that did amazing things way before their time or, or just showed courage in brilliant ways. Mary Brooksbank, I'd never heard of her before. Why are there not books written about Mary Brooksbanks in the same way that there are books written about John McLean, for example, mm-hmm. or other red sides Red side? <laughs> Red Clyde side um, heroes and all that kind of thing. There's just... This, I, th- I, honest, I said this on the, um, on the Books from Scotland website, why mm-hmm. this, these books should be sent to every Hollywood producer <laughs> across the world, across America, because there are so many great stories in those books that are, are just 
dying to have a, a, a somebody tell them in a in a more mainstream way, yeah. So that everybody finds out about them, and I think that, that I think that the. I don't want to call it a trend because I hope it's not just a yes, trend. Yes, of course. I hope it carries on. But um, next year, Hess are publishing a book by Sarah Sheridan, which sort of does um, something similar. It's like speculative geography. Right. <laughs> which is, it does a map of Edinburgh where the street names and statues and all that kind of thing, instead of being named after men from history, it's women from history. Right. So, you know, there's a real desire and appetite to start telling all these stories yeah. from from Scotland's history and and so say that it lasts forever. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Muriel Spark just got our street name or our way in the meadows this year. And yeah. like I think there's more there's more statues to animals than there are women in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no right. No, it's not, no. <laughs> There's room for everyone. <laughs> Many more, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely, and these are uh, the Rosemary Goring's uh, history is one that I've dipped into myself, and it's really Cause that's fascinating. Because it's a great, it's like you don't have to read it from page one to the to the end. You you can just sort of, you know, flick it open and and come across something, and you're just like. I didn't know it was as bad as that being a miner's wife at such and such. And but these are the stories yeah. that need to be told, as you say, mm. that uh, and just uh, have often been overlooked. Um, I want to make mention of the last, and again, we've mentioned the, the books before, but Stuart Cosgrove's Soul and Civil Rights Trilogy yeah. uh, came to an end this year uh, with um, Harlem 69. Yes. Uh, it's... It's been a hell of an undertaking, <laughs> uh, and I know you work kind of closely uh, with, with with Stuart when you were at Berlin. But um, he's a whirlwind. He's... He is a whirlwind. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, these books, when taken as a whole, tell three years: um, sixty-seven, Detroit sixty-seven, Memphis sixty-eight, Harlem sixty-nine. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, looking, starting off kind of with soul music as an in. Point, yeah. but really looking at the movement, the changes in civil rights on three pivotal years. Yeah, uh huh. You know, um, perhaps you could say that the death of uh, Martin Luther King bang in the middle was yeah. the most pivotal. But uh, it's an incredible undertaking. They're just such interesting and well written books. Mm. But because he knows his subject so well, like within two minutes of meeting him. You just know that is that he he just knows everything that he needs to know about these books, and that's like I can imagine him when he's writing these books. He's just <laughs> sitting at his desk blasting the keyboard because it's just it's all in there. And yeah. watching him do events where you know you just he doesn't even need a chairperson or anything. No. You, you just introduce him and off he goes. And and the, his enthusiasm and passion and love for the subject is apparent on every page and it's the it's the way he makes connections as well it's kind it's sort of like this weird six degrees of kind of thing like that's true um where you you know you think of detroit and you think of motown and you think of the supremes and all that but then he he brings in so many different elements and all the links between it's worth looking at the indexes of the book and see the names (laughs) that come up and again you go how the hell you know, Snoop Dogg uh, led to this. You know, but that's the. There's some amazing bits of trivia that uh-huh. you find out. Yeah. You know, like Nile Rodgers was one of the Black Panthers. Yeah. I didn't know. 
and a Samuel Jackson was involved as yeah. well, and and um, yeah, as you say, he just it's not simply about those three years and those three places mm. they're the starting points but then it just kind of explodes yeah. uh, you know to all sorts of things and all sorts of links and you get um the protests in paris you yeah. know it goes over to europe goes to south america it's it's they're incredible achievement it's like the butterfly effect it's of exactly everything that. and and so, so in a way it's quite um it's quite like it's it's a soulful book, mm. not just because of the music, but because of the way that you know we all interconnect and yeah. Because he often takes instead of doing the obvious thing, perhaps which would have been to take the big names of music or the yeah. big names of politics, mm. he often gets these smaller characters who yeah. you've never heard of, or at least I'd never heard of, and then that's how he gets the story. The story comes out of their story, you I know? know. So the guy who was um, a record obsessive, but also a heroin dealer, <laughs> yeah. and a gangster, <laughs> and you know, but had seemed to be, um, he, he would he would hype lost causes almost in music and put records out that nobody else would put out. And I guess it goes but, back to what we were saying about you know Muriel Sparks characters is that people are complicated and yeah. people aren't straight through. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's not all, you know, people with black hats and people with white hats. There's all sorts of yeah. bits in between. Like Fat Jack Taylor is that Fat Jack Taylor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and 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 these people are you know, they're the catalysts for huge seismic shifts in culture and all that kind of thing, but they are forgotten while the big names are the ones that go on to, to get the glory of, you know, the inventors of disco or da 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 But um, Stuart really brings it back to where these the all these stories began. And, you know, t- you've just been talking about women's stories that haven't been told. Well, he does do that, you yeah. know, a, a lot of the central characters in it like Rosa Parks women. appears again and was it, is it the Detroit 67 that she appears again yeah because she 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 was part of the the campaign I'm sure she had something to do with the with the um, Algiers motel incident oh and yeah, yeah that's and you right. just think my god everybody just knows her because of the bus boycott but she went on to do so many other things and you know Stuart and, finds that out and and you had was it Betty Mabry who was the muse of oh yeah of, of um, Miles Davis yeah how and cool was she she was the coolest person <laughs> ever and the, you know go and check out her music yeah but she was a kind of precursor to Nona Hendrix and, yeah. this, and, and Prince almost yeah with her style uh-huh. and with her, you know um, and all these amazing women that yeah. they just you know that 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 should be as well known as as Aretha Franklin or whatever, and they and they just they, they for some reason the timing or just the way just the way it worked with the record company it just doesn't doesn't work out. Yeah. But they're they're brilliant. They're brilliant stories, and it was great with them. Um, Memphis '68. I went down to the Laharn Festival in Wales mm-hmm. this year with Stuart to Chumham to pick up the Penderin Prize mm. for Memphis '68. That 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 won an award. And it was such a great weekend with lots of different um, writers of music books and all that kind of thing. There's a real appetite for music books that do more than just sort of do potty biographies yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Um, of musicians of their of their eras. And Stuart does that brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, I think Polygon have a good history of doing that, of putting books out which aren't just... And then they did this, and then they did... I'm thinking yeah. of the um, Paul McCartney book in the yeah. 70s, you know, which was the kind of lost... For some people, it was the lost period yeah. of McCartney, you know, after the Beatles. And 
before give my regards to God. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we can all admit that it's Paul's, but he's had such a varied career. He's a very varied career. But what I mean is, it was just but a very still, interesting book. Yeah, I have a soft spot for the Frog Chorus. I have a soft spot for Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> wow. Okay. But, <laughs> but, um, but his 70s period, uh, uh, that was ripe for reassessment. Oh, definitely. 70s period, some anyway. really interesting. Some yeah. of his best music was from that. Yeah. And maybe I'm amazed is one of my oh, favourite songs. How of good all is time. that? that I Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's, he's a lot more than just silly love songs. Mm-hmm. But it, it, Stuart has definitely set the benchmark for mm. what can be done with a music book. Yeah. You know, cause it, uh, and I think it would be really fascinating to turn um, the attention onto the UK and see, you know, in a similar way. Um, well, he did that a little bit with Young Soul Rebels. Yes, I suppose so. I yeah. suppose that's true, yeah, looking at the mm. um, Northern Soul scene yeah. and the scene look around. That is true. Though he is, he's staying in America for his next book. Oh, is it as an exclusive, is it? <laughs> So you'll be pleased to hear. Oh, I'm delighted with that. So it might this trilogy might have come to an end, but um, next year there will be a book from Stuart called Cassius X. Wow, Muhammad Ali. Yes. Exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So it's 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 uh, it goes back it goes back to the early Mm sixties and talks about the emergence of soul. Right. with, and it stars, you know, Cassie, um, Cassius X, Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali and his relationships with people like Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, never fear. Never fear. <laughs> Your appetite will be whetted again. That's good. That's <laughs> so we can talk about his next book on one of these podcasts yeah. in the future. Um, we mentioned a what a good year again 404 Inc have had and there's two books that are on my best of list that I'd like to mention Helen McClory's Mayhem and Death mm. which is kind of short fiction and I deliberately use that rather than short stories and, mm. and a Chris McQueer's Here We Fucking Go because we have <laughs> you gave it its full name full name <laughs> because uh, we have a wee warning on our podcasting for some reason. Not that we're always swearing on it, but we have an explicit sign. So I can say that. Um, so let's talk about Helen McClory's Mayhem and Death. It's a second collection, short fiction, some of it flash fiction. Um, there is a longer kind of piece at the end, but just fabulous book. She's such a good writer. One of my favourite writers uh, around at the moment. Yeah. Um, just in- inventive. Yeah. Trying to do something new. Um, obviously in love with writing in all formats, mm. you know, uh, no matter what it is, and just pushing the kind of boundaries of what can be done and what can be looked at. Um, I think her writing, it puts me in mind of Catherine Joseph's music, which I oh, love right. as well, in terms of themes and, and mm. just feel about it. There's a kind of um, sensuality at the heart of it, you know, um, which I think some people probably think uncomfortable. And also Jenny Fagan's um, There's um, a Witch in the Word Machine, which we'll talk about as well. But that I think her poetry does similar. Um, Chris, see, I've not, I've, I've not got rounds to reading Helen McClory yet, and it's a great bug, like bugbear yeah. of mine. <laughs> well, I would, I would recommend it all. <laughs> I know. I, when, I, when I walked in at the publishing Scotland offices, I saw a copy of Mayhem and Death on the shelf, and I was like, I'm going to take that. Yeah. <laughs> I've not got rounds to it yet. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 that would be my recommendation. Her, her stuff is, is um, incredible. I can't wait to see what she does uh, 
yeah. when he does next. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, we know that Hings, or most people know that Hings was a big success. It was the debut. I can't believe how many copies of that book. So if you go to any publisher and said, I've got a debut collection from an unknown writer in Glasgow and it's short stories, most commissioning editors would be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> but if, you, if the commission editors would then see their sales, the sales figures for Hings now, they'd be like, oh my God, that's better than our star novel. <laughs> so difficult thing to follow up. Yeah. Lots of pressure to follow up. But uh, he's done that and more, I think, with um, HWFG, as it says on the title. <laughs> uh, Family-friendly If you like things, you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, but I think he does. It's kind of developed um, his, his style. There's a, it's so unusual, I think, to have a writer who's got his voice straight away. Mm. You know, often, even I'm thinking back to the early James Kelman short stories, which are great, but it took him a a couple of collections to kind of really right. get up and running, I think, anyway. Um, but Chris seems to have done it straight away. I mean, we were at uh, one of his launch events and um, they just sound right yeah. when he when he's, he tells them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are telling of tales, you know. It's yeah. a bit like you go to the pub yeah. and someone comes in and goes, oh, God, I've this to yeah. tell you. I'll never believe what happened to me. <laughs> and away you go. And that's a talent because it's quite rare that someone can do that. Yeah, and... There's such heart to them as well. Yeah. Like they are more than just uh, working class people being a bit cheeky. There, there's such heart to them. Big Angie, um, <laughs> I, I, like you're just like you want her on your team, uh, you know? <laughs> absolutely, you certainly do. You don't want her against you. But you're right. Again, like you were talking about um, Sparks characters. Chris isn't a uh, poking fun no, at anyone. No. Well, this is people I know and whose stories are. are rarely told yeah. and um, I can't remember who said this quote about Scottish writing it was from a while ago um, and they said the difference between Scottish writing and English novels in particular was that in English novels the kind of damaged and uh, people are at the sidelines or maybe a friend or they're maybe someone who knows or they're a poked fun at or something like that mm. in Scottish writing they're often the main character yeah. they're the central <laughs> character and I think that's exactly what, not that they're, they're all damaged for one no, way, no. that's not what I'm saying but um, it's people who very rarely yeah. ap- appear on in books or any cultural. or anywhere yeah, anywhere, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, unless they're being poked fun at yeah, or laughed at or, or pitied or, yeah exactly and, you're, and, and it just uh, really annoys me you know it's, it's just what Chris does is, um, you know, there's a lot of hand-wringing about, you know, folk that aren't hankering for, like, attending dinner parties and talking about mortgages, and that's how you that's how you have a good time. You drink yeah. nice wine and you talk about mortgages. You don't go out at the weekend and, you know, just have it. Whereas, you know, yes, you do, and, yeah. it, and you don't have to hand-wring about it. You don't have to be like, these are people we need to save. Yeah. They're not people that need to be saved. You know, they, they work hard and that is how they that is how they, 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 they let themselves go at the weekend. It's like the Northern Soul thing, mm-hmm. you know, living for the weekend and all that yeah, kind of absolutely. thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it just it just baffles me that that folk think oh working class culture is something that's problematic yeah. or or yeah, you know, we, should, we can't talk about it. Yeah, or, yeah, it's just, or we can't celebrate it. Yeah, yes, you should and, celebrate it. And 
because the truth is, most of the stuff that starts from from working class, um, cultural undergrounds, whatever, makes it into the mainstream at some point. Absolutely. Especially in music, you yeah. know, and and to read uh, Big Angie, you know, going to our sort of our Butlins esque type uh, holiday with our crooner singer man and all that kind of thing, it's like. You know that that's my childhood. You know, like I know those 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 kinds of places. And did you ever see Huns and Roses? I didn't see Huns and Roses. <laughs> You're some loyalist heavy metal covers man. But you know, I did do my fair bit of uh, dance routines to pop songs and all that kind of thing. And you know, it doesn't make like the fact that the thought that these people don't have an inner life, that don't have the um, sympathies and fears and all that, it's just nonsense. So it just it pleases me no end that we've got writers like Chris McQueer who is is writing stories like this. Yeah, absolutely. And just... and the people are reading them. Yeah. I mean they're really doing well, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I've talked a little bit about some of my books of the year. Anything that you'd like to bring up in particular? Well, um, well, actually, this year I, I made a concerted effort to um, read uh, BAME fiction. So I read a lot of, uh, I read some James Baldwin, I read some Elif Shafak, Harry Kunzro, um But my favourite one, well, actually, talking about um, Chris McQueer, the, one of the books, I can't remember the name of the author, but the book was called Jaguar Nana, and it was set in Nigeria. And it, was, it was written in the 60s, mm-hmm. and, it was, and it was very similar. The, the character of Jaguar Nana was this larger-than-life woman, a kind of a sort of Nigerian big Angie, right. <laughs> who, like, who like, goes out with younger men. She just cares about fashion and going out dancing and music and all that stuff. And and it just sort of takes uh, a sort of year in the life of her, really, where she, you know, falls out of love, gets dumped, has a few bad things happen to her, but she just survives it all. And it, again, it was it's that kind of thing where, you know, the, the author didn't invite you to feel sorry for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, she, she knows what she likes. She knows who she is. She's got a core... Um, to herself that was really really appealing even as she went through different um, tragedies and all that so that was really good so what was the name of that again so Jaguar Nana right but I can't remember the author though which is really bad um, and the other favourite one was another classic by a guy called Ishmael Reed. Mm-hmm. it was written in the late 60s or early 70s and it's called Mumble Jumble and it is the weirdest brilliantest book <laughs> Like, I didn't get a lot of it, you yeah. know. There was a lot of cultural stuff that okay. that, that passed me by, but um, it's kind of like it's like superhero voodoo, uh, noir crime. Wow! Uh, it's just there's there's a whole. Um, it's just full of energy, full of craziness, and the main character, this Vodun priest guy called Papa Laba, and. <laughs> And oh, it's it's just brilliant. I would really recommend it. I I think I, f- I feel like I have to um, find out more about like jazz and New York and all that kind of thing, and even more about voodoo and and stuff like that to properly get a lot of the references and all that kind of thing. But the the it could ener- be handy to have a bit more knowledge <laughs> of voodoo. But the energy of it and the and the characters are so great. And and yeah, I took this on holiday with me, and it was brilliant. It was brilliant. But it's also a really good study and satire of America and racism and all that kind of thing, 
and um, there's bits in it as well where he really doesn't hold back and you're and you're just like yeah come on and uh, so I suppose again uh, it seems very pertinent even though it was written decades ago so I would recommend that Ishmael Weed's Mumble Jumble um, and uh, a Scottish book which I really loved reading and hasn't probably got as much attention as um, Stuart Kelly's The Minister and the Murderer. Yeah, no, I haven't got around to reading that, and I would like to. Um, it is a mad book. Yeah. And I can understand why it maybe hasn't done as well, because it's totally unclassifiable. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, Stuart Kelly is the books uh, reviewer of the Scotsman, Scotsman yeah, yeah, in Scotland on Sunday. Though I think he's more freelance and he, yes, and he does yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of other places. So he's he's written this non-fiction book called The Minister and the Murderer, which at first glance is supposed to be about the story of this guy who murdered his mum and spent time in jail. When he was released, he... Um, decided to train to be a minister and um, so it's about the way you know if somebody can be rehabilitated and did he make a good minister and what is the essence of forgiveness and all that kind of thing so it seems like it's sort of true crime but it is so much more than that as well there is um, well there's a, there's a meditation himself on what it means to be a good man and uh, literary excursions into like like close reading of Bi- of the Bible mm-hmm. books and all that kind of thing, which you know I I'm not somebody that had a religious upbringing, so I've never really read the Bible and I don't really know the meanings of uh-huh. of religion and like sort of symbols and and all that kind of thing. So it was really fascinating to to read all that, and it's also a little bit of a history of the Church of Scotland as well, oh, which wow. sounds really dry, but it totally no, isn't. I can imagine it isn't. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I I went to the Church of Scotland when I was wee. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and and then it's also a book about Stuart himself and, mm-hmm. and about his own wrestling with faith. And so there's a whole heap of stuff in there. And it is like having a conversation with Stuart. It's just a mixture of deep, deep knowledge. And, and it's, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it'll be coming out in paperback well, that's in 2019 so maybe it'll get more of an audience with the paperback I hope so because as I say it's a very strange book but I think that's a good thing yeah of course it is (laughs) absolutely you're welcome strange Um, this year also saw a republishing of as you know and as many people who listen to this will know one of my favourite books and it was Ron Butlin's The Sound yeah, of My Voice yeah. came back out on uh, Polygon do you know I, I hadn't read it until this year yeah. as well it was always one of those books that I always kept meaning to read and then never ever got round to and I was like right I, I read it in a day as well yeah. I remember that it was my birthday that I read it yeah. and, I, and I took the day off work and I took myself off to a nice uh, bar <laughs> Excellent. I know. Just got nice food and a big glass of red wine, and just sat and read the book. And and I, and I was like, "This is the great way to spend my birthday." It is. And it surprised me. It, I, I come, even though I I thought I knew the book because because you know I've heard so much about it. It it was so much more. It surprised me. Mm-hmm. It's the humor. The amount of humor surprised yeah, me. Yeah. I thought it was going to be 
Like, re- yeah, uh-huh. and it is. There yes. is a lot of grim moments <laughs> in there. There definitely is. <laughs> it was really interesting, you know, um, and we mentioned earlier on that you, you bring what's happening culturally uh, or socially when you read. You can't help but do that. It's interesting for me to reread it quite a while after I'd read it last. Mm. And particularly the stuff with Morris in the office with the way yeah. he treats the secretaries yeah, and stuff. Yeah, after going, Me Too and all that yeah. kind of thing. And, you, and that's the thing, the inevitability of the the moment with his secretary, you, you knew it was going to happen and you're just like, oh, Morris. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and, yeah. But that, that's it, like, it would, it, would, it would distress me if folk were sort of like, oh, don't read this book because of... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know... The character of Morris is, um, is he doesn't actually have real power really no. in his life. So it's, and you know, it's a it's a really interesting and way to garner sympathy for somebody that could do something just so you're just like oh. God. Well, you know, I mean, you say there is humour in it. But it's black. Oh God! Uh, yeah. You know the fact he calls his kids the accusations. Yeah. Oh that. God! Every time I read that, I was like, "Stop it! Stop it now!" <laughs> um, but what I'm interested in is and the way he talked about his wife as well. Yeah. Oh no! No. Why the hell terrible. she stayed with? <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, I mean, there's there's surreal bits. Yeah. Bits because of the way it's written in the second person, where you have to kind of go, "What have I just read? What's mm. just happened here?" Particularly the opening scene, which yeah. is a horrific scene. Mm. Um, but what I'm interested in is when a publisher decides that they're going to republish a book, what's the... I mean, is it just do they think, well, it's not been out for a while or this will fit with what's happening at the moment? Or, do you know? Can you answer? Well, I think some... Um, well, we, we work with... Well, I say we. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Berlin anymore, but um, uh, Berlin work with Ron Butlin mm-hmm. anyway. Yes. They, they publish his poetry yeah. and uh, his children's books. Uh-huh. And... Um, it, uh, the rights were freight had them. Yes, right. And um, we had all we'd always said. I mean, there's in the editorial meetings. There's always a discussion about bringing classics back. back right. And um, that just that just seemed, you know, a, a no brainer kind of thing yeah. to to bring that one back. I think, I think more publishers should bring out more. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, there's an incredible kind of backlog of stuff. Yeah. And especially if a especially a, polygon next yeah. polygon stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a whole archive of things you know that that. Um, polygon classics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Publishing is interesting place at the moment because there's some different ways of doing it. Uh, we were just talking beforehand about um, two record labels that have brought out mm, books this year. We've yeah. got um, Last Night from Glasgow, have got Stephen Watts and Friends Mixtape, mm-hmm. which is a poetry collection, uh, all based on uh, music and memories of music and first bands and albums and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And some of the friends are uh, Douglas Stewart, James Yorkston, Dot Allison, Social K. Dade, um, loads and loads of, of other people as well. But they should really, which you should really check out. It's a great book. But Stephen's a really great poet himself, yeah. a great live poet as well. If you ever get the chance, I've never to see seen him. him perform, and I really, oh, really fabulous. want to. Yeah. And a and the other one is um, Silver Chords, mm. which has come out on Scottish Fiction, which is an Edinburgh indie label, um, and that's from a beer jacket who's mm. been playing music. Um, a, in and around Scotland, I think. Well, gosh, I might have saw him in the mid two thousands. I think. Mm. Yeah, 
think so. I hope that's right, Peter, if you're listening. <laughs> um, I'm not doing you a disservice, but I'm fairly sure. Um, and it's a beautiful book yeah. of his they short stories. They didn't scrimp on the production they values. Twice, absolutely <laughs> not. When I first got my hand on a copy, I was like, wow, this yeah. is fabulous. And it comes with a CD. I know, it's like, a CD. Not even on MP, like a wee... Uh, What's it called? Memory drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, and of his songs, which are great, and it's called Songs and Silver Chords, Songs and Stories, and the songs mix into the stories. There's a, there's a pairing going on mm. there. Um, but it's just it's interesting to me that uh, record labels might you know might start to think, oh, we could start to put out yeah, perhaps ma- music related. Yeah, books and, and maybe publishers could start to you know do a bit of cross genre yeah, stuff too. Yeah, get involved. <laughs> but it shows you that you know, there's there's definitely things to because I know that um, last night from Glasgow we're going well we don't know anything about books. But um, they were able to get some of the people uh, who do know something about books and um, ended up putting this fantastic little uh, poetry uh, collection out. Another book which interested me and was one of my favourites from the year, which was um, Helen Taylor's The Backstreets of Purgatory. And she did that on Unbound, is oh, that the right. name of this it? this is the Caravaggio one, Yes, absolutely, it? yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So it's about Caravaggio rocks up in Glasgow. <laughs> yeah. And it's as mad as that sounds, but it's, I mean, it's about mental health, it's about um, a disease, alcoholism, it's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic and really, um, I think it's a first novel, I'm fairly sure it is. Yeah, I, I went to an Unbound event, maybe even last year, maybe in 2017, where a bunch of Scottish writers who were publishing from un, through Unbound uh just you know, did a sort of, because not not all the books were published by then. Because I don't I don't know if you know the unbound. No, that's what I'd like um, to know a bit more yeah. about. Because I'm not because as far as I know, you basically almost like a fund a it's, Kickstarter. You yeah. get the the people to buy the book up front or yeah. at least put in for the book up uh-huh. front, and then and then you and get then to get, do it. Uh huh. And at the point where I went to that event, um, not all the books were fully funded yet. So it was a way to get people interested in the book before it came out yeah. so that it would get funded as well and right. I'm sure that Caravaggio book was, was one, one of them, of them. Yeah. yeah it rings it rings because I've not read it yet but yeah. um, it's, a, it's a really good read and it shows you that there's more than one way if you want to kind of mm. get your book out there there's different ways of doing it yeah. including this year a couple of Scottish writers who went to American publishers and did that I think Crooked Cat might be American yeah American yeah. so Martin Geraghty's book right, came out uh-huh. on that and one that I think we've both read well, no I've not actually read it yet oh, have you not <laughs> which is uh, MJ it's, Nichols it's been looking at me accusingly all year since the event well I was lucky enough to chair his Edinburgh uh, event and it's um, MJ Nichols the 1002nd book to read before you die and that's published by Sagging Meniscus Right. You know. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think, so that's an interesting thing as well, that people might look overseas yeah. to... Yeah. I wonder if it's because, maybe, I don't know, if maybe there are more well-known, really short, pre- like small print small presses, presses yeah, possibly. In, in America, so yeah. I don't know. I, think, I guess, I mean, there's positives and negatives. The positives might be that you um, get it published yeah. at all. The negatives might be that you maybe don't have the same backup once it is published... Because yeah, I think, people are in the states mm, rather than over here. Like it would be, it would be quite difficult to sell in Britain a book from a small press in America, just purely for logistical reasons. Yeah. Like um, the book's probably not distributed by a recognised distributor to right. W H Smith or Waterson's uh, or whatever. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, it's because I know Martin Geraghty in particular. He um, he uh, has been doing almost all the promotion mm. himself, yeah. uh, and he's another and someone else, another um, Scottish writer, G V Bapti. Oh, I don't know. So a, 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 Her. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, initials, uh, man. Initials. Yeah, I know. I should go with the initials. <laughs> but uh, she um, did. I think that was crooked. I think I'm right in saying that was crooked cat mm. as well. But um, I mean, are there other changes in in publishing at the moment? Any kind of trends or new things happening? Um, well, I mean, there are a growing number of small presses that are starting in Scotland. So maybe you know, in the future, um, Scottish writers won't have to go over to America, you know, speculative um, books, uh, Stuart Rhubarb, who specialises yes. in performance poetry. There's yeah. there's loads of little Clod- Cloderick Press yeah. as well. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a few uh, uh, just starting up, which is which is quite exciting to see. And um, so hopefully there will be maybe more of a culture of that kind of small press yeah, I mean up. the Stuart Rhubarb. They um, they're putting Jenny Lindsay's yes, work out. That is fabulous. Of, yeah, that's one of the, th- the ones that I'm looking forward to in 2019. Yeah. Um, I think it's coming in March. I think I'm not sure. And I think they also took on a couple of people who fell at the hands of freight. Yeah, well, see, that's been the the, the, other, the other lovely thing about this year is that a lot of writers who were published with Freight have had their books picked up since then. So I think last year, I think maybe Ever Dundas was the only one that had sort of been picked up again. But yeah, so Harry Giles and Rachel McCrum got picked up by Stuart Rhubarb. Which is a collection, I've got that, yeah. Uh, Who else? Um, Sue Lawrence Mm -hmm. is is getting published by Saraband as well. Uh, Jim Carruth went to Polygon. Yeah. Uh, and I know that um, Janice Galloway's Jellyfish is going to be published by Granta next year. And Fishnet came out in Black oh, and yes. White uh-huh. this year uh-huh. as well, because yeah. Simonis is Fishnet. So, you know, like, at the aftermath of that, how, you know, there have been a lot of positives um, from that. I should just say, Martin Geraghty's book, I've just been referring to it as if you all definitely know the <laughs> title. It's A Mind Polluted, and that was the one that came out on Cookie Cat, right. and I think J.B. Baptist was forbidden, forbid me if that's not correct, but both both really good books, um, but I just think it's interesting these different um, uh, models that are mm. coming through, and I should say I.M.J. Nichols, the 1002nd um, book to read before you die, is one of my favourite books of the year, it's on my list. Okay, okay. Um, and it's, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm just saying, I'm not accusing you, but again, it does, it, it's, it's a book about... Books. It's reading. a book about books. It's yeah. a book about reading. It's a love affair with reading, and um, uh, yeah, I'll say no more than that. Go out and right? <laughs> check it out for yourself. So you've mentioned 2019. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in 2019? Well, there's a lot. I mean, I don't know all stuff, but there's a fair few things that I'm looking forward to. Um, one of the first books that's coming out in January actually is by Sandstone, mm-hmm. and it's called The Wolf's Leninsky Prospect. Oh wow. <laughs> And it's a, a spy thriller stroke love story set in Moscow in the 70s. Oh, wow. Yeah, sounds and, good. Yeah, so I think it should... What's it called again? The Wolves? The Wolves Leninsky Prospect. Fantastic. Prospect with a K as well. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got I've, I've managed to get a, an advanced copy of that, so that might be one of my reading uh, adventures on the Christmas holidays. Um, another book... 
is uh, obviously is David Keenan's new oh, one, which wait. is coming out in January yes, as well, exactly. for the Good Times. Yes, absolutely. I've started reading that. It's yes, really good. Yeah. good. <laughs> it's a good homework, people. Yes, you'll be writing a review for the Books from Scotland I website. Will be. I will be indeed. <laughs> so, I mean, I loved this as Memorial Device, yeah, and absolutely. I've read bits of the David the new one, and it just strikes me that it's just going to be as brilliant as, yeah. as that one. He's such an interesting writer. I, I opened the first page and it's got um, a quote by Nietzsche and a quote by Perry Como. Oh, I made that up? I think that's... And then, oh, yeah, because of the characters. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. actually, yeah. Uh-huh. And then you look at the um, page numbers, listings, and it's zero 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 zero, and you go, oh, David, <laughs> you're at it again. Yeah. But, you know, that's what I'm really looking forward yeah. to. That. I can't so I think wait. those two are coming out in January, and there's a Jenny Lindsay one as well. Yeah. Um, I think one, one well, it's certainly getting a lot of attention and buzz about it, um, already is um, Damien Barr's debut novel uh, You Shall Be Safe Here oh fabulous so he he wrote a memoir called Maggie and Me he three did, years which ago was a big success mm. yeah and um, but this uh, You Shall Be Safe Here is you know when folks say write what you know yeah this is totally not that because it's set in you know South Africa and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing so but by all accounts it's getting re- rave reviews ahead of publication so I think that'll be quite a big book next year and the other one that I'm looking forward to is Kerry Hudson's Lowborn. Oh, I like Kerry Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be sort of the poverty safari for oh, 2019. Right. Um, and 404 have got their first novel coming out oh, as well. Oh, exciting. From El Nash. Which, so it's not even a Scottish writer, it's no, an American writer. Yep. Animals eat each other. Um, again. There's a lot of uh, a good um, noise about that. Right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I've got a proof, which again, I'm saving for the Christmas holidays. <laughs> and then uh, we were talking about crime fiction mm-hmm. um, earlier on, and Canongate are launching their own crime fiction imprint ah, okay. uh, in May, I think. It's uh, Blackthorn. That's the name of their their crime fiction imprint. Because they've, they've, they've had a couple of little forays into crime fiction over the last couple of years, yeah. so... I think maybe this is a sign that they're going to make a more concerted effort to to um, get into that space. And Douglas Skelton, who we're talking yes. about, is doing his next series, his new series, with our good friends at Polygon. Ah. He's doing a new series, and the first one's called Thunder Bay. Excellent. And it's a Scottish set um, series set in Argyll. It's one of the islands. I can't remember which one. Um, He's very prolific, isn't he, our Douglas? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I've seen the cover because um, there was a big cover reveal a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to to read that one. Uh, Douglas is one of my favourite writers. You know, well, everything he does, I just think well, he's got he can do sense of humour, he can do thrilling, he can do he's got mm. all of that. It's really got everything. We should probably mention Charles E. McGarry as well, who's yeah. um, Leo Moran, second Leo Moran novel yeah. came out this year, um, and uh, they're always a great uh, a great read. You yeah. Know? Great character, yeah. Leo Moran. Leo Moran, stuck in a big country house in Dumfries. Dumfries, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Hunting, shooting, fishing and solving crimes. Yeah. Sounds like a good weekend. Um, well, I want to mention, there's a couple of other books before we uh, wrap things up, which are on my list. Um, Andrew Crummy's The Great Chain of Unbeing, which mm. was one of the Saltire no- um, books um, nominated in yeah, Saltire uh-huh. books. I, see, I loved his The Secret Knowledge. Mm-hmm. I've read that one. And I, 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 I was like, I didn't know Andrew Crummy had 
had released a new book this year, so I was really pleased to see it on the shortlist. Yeah, and it's a really... And as with all his books, it's not what it first appears. It looks <laughs> yeah. as though it's short stories, but they're interwoven. Some of them are repeated. Not, oh, really? not fully, but sections. Oh, I've right. read that before. <laughs> and, you know, the kind of interweaving, are they connected? And is it actually a novel or is it short stories? And, you know, there's no hard or fast answer. It's really well written. Absolutely I believe you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another one I'd like to mention is Alison Moore's Missing. Which, See, I hadn't heard, when I saw your top ten, yeah, I was like, I've not heard of this. That came out on Salt oh, Publishing. Yeah. And a, it, I think she has previously been Booker shortlisted or maybe longlisted. Alison Miller? Moore, uh, Alison Moore. Oh, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Alison Moore. And a, yeah, The Lighthouse made the man Booker shortlist in 2012. It looks like I know that off the top of my head, but I just <laughs> found it very quickly. Um, and Missing's, uh, it's a, just a beautifully written book. It's a, a book about kind of loss and home uh, and someone who, again, set in the borders. There's a lot of stuff ah. set in the Scottish borders. Right. Uh, I suppose that's kind of that's kind of the sort of the untapped territory of Scotland. <laughs> it is for a long time, yeah, yeah. since Walter Scott yeah. almost ruined it forever. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think Alison was writing is just, it's uh, high, high quality. But I'd like to finish by talking about my favourite Scottish book of the year, which was the previously mentioned uh, Jenny Fagan's um, uh, There's a Witch in the Word Machine, which right. is a collection of poetry, which kind of has never left my side. I mean, it was beside my bed, it was in my bag, <laughs> because I just, you know, if I, if I had time, I would just go and read one of her poems again, because they're just amazing. Um, and I, th- I said in a review, uh, it, or a, a review of it, um, it's like almost a favourite record right. that you used to, you know, put back on and you'd find <laughs> something new with it, but you were also getting more familiar with it and there's something nice about that, you know. That's the kind of thing I have Blue Nile records, you know, I put them on and <laughs> get into them. And there's something about this collection of poetry that... Uh, that it was like that. Spell just, poems. Spell poems, yeah. absolutely. Lots of spell poems. An amazing central piece uh, about her young, very young life, and obviously before she yeah. was born, Bangor. But uh, in Lee fact, the, there's there's going to be a programme on the radio on Tuesday oh, about that. Okay. Um, I think I think is it Radio Scotland or Radio Four? I can't remember, but yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to that because that book came out just as I was leaving Berlin, right. so I didn't manage to snaffle a copy. <laughs> Well, there's a thing <laughs> developing here, listeners. Um, so I've never got round to reading it, but it's been on my mind as oh, as one that I that I um, that I want to because I've not heard anybody say anything other than what you've just said. That's about your it. Christmas sorted then. Because I, I want I want people to to read this book. It's a fantastic collection and just a reminder, as if we needed one. That Jenny Fagan is just one of the finest yes. writers we have. Her new novel might be coming out next Ooh. year. Okay. I know. Yeah, and. I remember talking about it with her um, during the period where we did Dead Queen of Bohemia because I would, oh, yes. you know, like drive her around for um, bookshop events and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I remember talking to her about the the new novel, which is, I think, if it's if it's still this that and what she was saying back in two thousand and fifteen, then uh, it's set in an Edinburgh tenement and it's about all the lives of the different ah, people okay. in, the, in the tenement. Um, and it sounded amazing, and I was like, hurry up. <laughs> So I hope that that... Hurry up before I leave and get my free copy. <laughs> well, see, I, so we don't do our novels, you see. Aye, right. Um, yeah, no, so I, I hope that comes out next year. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to that one. 
Excellent. Um, is there anything you would like to round off with? Anything you haven't I, mentioned? I think we've covered it. I mean, I there's loads. Oh. There, there's actually loads more I could talk about, yeah. but um, <laughs> I think we've, we've been we, going. We've been going for a while. I know yeah. it's dark now. <laughs> Well, Vicky, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks for doing this with us. Thank you. And we'll be back soon uh, uh, talking about something completely different. Cheers. Mm-hmm.